We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. I want to talk about schools, and I've been talking about schools for a long time, and the uh, summer of 2021 was an interesting period, and obviously we were watching what was happening in Virginia into the fall with Glenn Youngkin. We had some very interesting things that happened around here, even in my school district, the Rockwood School District, that we highlighted when it came to CRT and other nonsense. And Amber Athey has been reporting about this and writing about it. She wrote a piece that was in the, uh, the Spectator on how parents are fighting back, and they're fighting for their kids' education. The Mama Bears and the Papa Bears in particular— Amber, how are you? Happy New Year. I'm great. Happy New Year. I want you to explain to my audience what happened. This is interesting. The Virginia Education Opportunity Alliance, which is a nonprofit, put together a training event to help parents that might need some help with school districts and school boards, right? That's exactly right. I attended one of these trainings a couple of months ago, and this was done in conjunction with Americans for Prosperity, which your listeners might know it's a national organization that has uh, sections around the country in different localities to basically support grassroots activism. And these trainings teach parents all, basically anything that they would need to know if they were interested in getting involved in their local public schools or school boards. So throughout the day, parents learned how to tell stories about their own kids and how they've been adversely affected by some of the left-wing policies that have been implemented. It includes information on how they can go to uh, representative offices in the Virginia legislature or how to lobby the governor's office. It's kind of a roadmap for anyone who is new to politics on how to turn their anger into something that's really effective at making change. Now, I have a serious question. Was there advice and counsel given to specifically, bear with me here, not coming off as a crazy person that the media can attack? Because let's face it, you know, you say something and then these parents turn into the evil people. And that's what happened certainly in Loudoun County with uh, with Scott Smith in particular. Yeah, I don't think that there was anything explicitly mentioned, but they did get into the fact that Conservatives really do have to be happy warriors because the media will destroy them otherwise. And so coming forward with your message compassionately and with all of the facts behind you, but also, you know, again, telling stories about real people is a great way to be able to uh, bring other people into your cause, even if the media is not on your side, even if Democrats or, you know, left-wing activists are not on your side. And the individual who gave the training is uh, named Chris Theo. He's with Americans for Prosperity, and uh, he was very measured the whole time. And 
really allowed these parents to channel their anger into perhaps a more productive way of speaking to local school board officials. And one thing he said, you started the piece off this way, Amber, you said Chris Steele said to them, hey, look, reminding this group that was gathered, we're not normal, right? Explain what he meant by that. Well, what he meant is that we were gathered at a Doubletree Hotel on a Saturday afternoon on a beautiful day. I think it was one of the warmest days of this winter. It was about 60 degrees outside. I actually had a round of golf books later in the afternoon. That's how nice outside it was. And yet here, these dozen or so activists were in this hotel conference room for a five-plus-hour training because they really care about this issue. And I know reflexively, when we talk about the issues plaguing public schools, critical race theory is one of the first that comes up. But what a lot of people don't realize is that in Virginia, critical race theory was something that was sort of tacked on later. The initial reason that so many parents were going to school board meetings was because they were upset about school closures during the pandemic and the fact that their kids were not getting in-person instruction. They weren't allowed to attend extracurricular activities. And then even when schools did reopen, a lot of the students were having to face these really restrictive policies regarding testing or vaccines. And it was later on that critical race theory and the woke gender ideology became part of that movement. So it really was a lot of different people who maybe weren't even political in the past, but because they were so upset about school closures, they ended up forming this community with a whole bunch of other parents who maybe had more political concerns. And so this training was all about How do we take this very organic grassroots organizing and channel it in a way that is potentially more effective in actually getting policy change from either the governor or state officials? Yeah, and I love that. And one of the things that that I can relate to and I think this audience can relate to is in the summer, this would go back to 2020 when we were starting to emerge from, you know, the COVID cocoon early in the pandemic is I saw people and this continued into 2021 really into 2022, I saw parents, people in my neighborhood, uh, people that were not politically active, people who wouldn't listen to a political talk show host, parents, right, that got engaged. This started in our neck of the woods with restrictions to youth sports activities because there were government officials here in St. Louis County that were blaming youth sports for spreading the virus when there was no evidence that that happened. We happened to discover a pattern of that, didn't we? A lot of things that we were told that didn't exist. But what was interesting, Amber, is all these parents and people that got very, very angry, active, engaged, and involved that probably never did that when it came to a political-type topic in their life. That's exactly right. This was something that I think um, made people realize how important local politics really is. And for decades, a lot of people really... Um, ignored it or rejected it in favor of these big national political stories. And then their kids were at home on Zoom and they saw what they were learning or they had to deal with the disruption to their schedules and to their daily lives and realized just how important these things were um, to both their kids and to themselves. So one of the things, like I'm even seeing some coverage this week, and in, in I don't know how much you've discussed this or are familiar with uh, the book Gender Queer and that controversy, but it, yes. it's, it's a situation where maybe you can explain it better than me. Uh, look, I have a seven and a half year old, and, and if, if you're a high school kid, I think it's different. Um, I, I don't really care who reads the book or who gets the book. However, that's a different question than whether it should be in school libraries and available to, to young kids um, and whether the school should be behind that. Because some of the things, and, and it's funny to me, maybe not funny is not the word, but NPR and some of the other uh, media organizations that try to 
make this seem like there's nothing in this that might be offensive to anyone when in fact there is. Now, everyone's going to have their own level of, um, of judgment and shock or whatever the words might be relating to pictures of oral sex, etc. But the question should be, is this appropriate for young kids and how do we get away from that? Because that's where the media takes us, Amber. They try to talk about the book without actually indicating what's in it that makes parents so upset and horrified that their kids have access to this. They don't talk about those specific scenes, which do include cartoons um, and drawings of young people engaging in sexual activity. It's really disturbing. And, you know, with this book in particular, this was something that was found, you know, in, in Virginia and in Virginia public libraries and in school libraries there. And when a uh, local resident went to read the contents of the book at a school board meeting, she was told that she was not allowed to because the contents were too graphic. Yes. So the obvious rebuttal to all of these left-wing media outlets claiming that this is acceptable is if you're not allowed to read it at a school board meeting in front of adults, then obviously kids should not be able to access it in a library. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about about that controversy in particular? Let's use um, The New York Times or our St. Louis Post-Dispatcher, The Washington Post. You can go to any damn website in the country and I can go right now. In fact, I'm on the AmericanConservative.com and they not only have a story about genderqueer, but they show you the images from that's called a graphic novel. And you can see you know, oral sex taking place. Why won't, and this is a rhetorical question, Amber, but you won't see the Washington Post, the LA Times, the New York Times, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, they've all written about this. They've, they've written editorials. They've talked about how conservatives are dangerously trying to censor this. They've never put the slides mm-hmm. in of what you can see in this book because they know if most people would see what's in the book, they would raise questions about whether it's appropriate for kids. That's exactly right. The left-wing media has to hide what's really in here because they know how obviously wrong it is and how everyone would be against them if they got to see the contents of this material. And it's not just the genderqueer book. There were other examples of this throughout the country as well that were popping up at either book fairs or even in public school libraries. And I also want to point out that in these trainings, they didn't just talk about how do you change public schools, but sometimes when you can't make change in public schools, the answer is to take your kid elsewhere, right? So that means going to a private school or even homeschooling your child. And for a lot of families, that is cost prohibitive. They can't afford to send their kids to a private school or maybe they work full time so they can't homeschool. And so there was a lot of conversation about um, education savings accounts and school choice. And what this would do is actually take the tax dollars that are used to educate a child, put them in an account for the parent, and then allow them to spend that money on whatever education-related items that they would want to. So that would introduce competition to the public school system and allow parents the opportunity to take their kids out of failing public schools and put them somewhere where they're actually going to learn effectively and be able to participate in things that are not age-inappropriate. One of the other things that, that I've emphasized, I don't know if you got into this with, with the training, when it comes to the school boards in particular, we, we had a little bit of this around here, even in my school district that I mentioned. If you're going to run for the school district, I had a great guest on from the Dallas area who's an attorney that sort of outlined this last year, and I can't remember who it was, Amber. But the advice was, and, and let's face it, we have national you know, elections, statewide elections, where we've seen kooky candidates on the fringe that get defeated because they're bad, crazy candidates. Well, this happens in school board races, too. If you're going to run, you're going to try to change something. Make sure you get good candidates. The quality of the candidate matters when trying to make changes. Totally. And 
uh, in Virginia, I can only speak to the fact that there are local nonprofits that have popped up over the past couple of years that are working on fielding good candidates to replace some of these horrible uh, school board officials. Um, parents defending education is one that I can think of. I, there's a couple of Loudoun County specific groups as well. And they've had a lot of major uh, victories. They were able to get rid of the superintendent, Scott Ziegler, who was behind the cover-up of the sexual assault in a bathroom by a so-called non-binary student who was able to access this poor young female. And instead of allowing parents to know about that event, the non-binary student was simply transferred to another school where he assaulted another girl. So that superintendent is now gone. Quite a few of the school board officials have been ousted and replaced with more pro-freedom candidates. Um, so there's a lot of progress yeah. that's being made, and it's really heartening to see. But, you know, let's be honest about this, and, and you know this, that if if we had a fair media world, and I'm long past hoping for anything like that, you would have seen a story about what you just described, which we outlined in great detail here when that grand jury report came out. You'd see that on 60 Minutes, right? You'd see that on um, on MSNBC. The New York Times would do a, an expose on how horrific that was. You don't see any of that, do you? None of it. No, and instead, instead what happened is they actually turned the father of that student into the aggressor and into the villain. Um, he was cited as an event of threatening a school board in the National School Board Association letter to the Biden administration asking them to mobilize the Department of Justice against school board parents. And Scott Smith was, was listed in the footnotes as one of those examples. And of course, the Biden administration complied with that and created a threat tag through the Department of Justice to track these various cases, which were merely cases of parents using their First Amendment rights to speak up passionately on behalf of their children. Yeah, and that brings us full circle to what happened here in Rockwood, my school district. We had our former superintendent, thankfully former superintendent, who gave out that hotline number, the FBI tip line number. And then when I asked the district multiple times whether they had ever called local law enforcement, was there ever a situation where maybe local law enforcement could have handled it instead of the FBI? We didn't get any answers on that, as you might imagine. Amber Athey, the Washington editor for The Spectator. Stay on them, Amber. I appreciate it. Great topic. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. 
Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.